The unmitigated gall. The unmitigated ass. He'd called her a whore. With the insidious arrogance that came of being a wealthy, unencumbered man. A duke. He'd suggested that the idea that she provide him the information he required for a price made her a trollop. If she'd been a man, the word wouldn't have occurred to him. If she'd been a man, he never would have said it. If you treat me like a whore, you pay me like one. So, she'd used the word first. This was different. He'd turned her inside out with his touch. He'd tempted her. He'd made her like him. And then he'd called her a whore. He deserved an immense setting down. The great, unbeatable temple deserved to be beaten. By her. Seething, a masked Mara followed the guard to whom she'd been assigned through a winding, curving passageway that kept her from view of the club's members. She was too angry to care where they were going or what came next, too lost in her mental evisceration of temple, until her guide waved her into a new space and closed the door behind her, leaving her alone in a sea of people, of women. Surprise coursed through her. Women did not belong in a men's club, in a casino. Her gaze threaded through the room, across the collection of chattering women, recognizing several. A marchioness, two countesses, an Italian duchess known for her scandals. Surprise warred with curiosity as Mara considered the rest of the women, all of whom were dressed in stunning silks and satins, some masked, most chattering as though they were at a lady's tea. These weren't simply women. They were aristocrats. And it was only once she'd recovered from that discovery that she noticed what she should have noticed the moment she'd been shepherded into the room, like a lamb to slaughter. One entire length of the long, narrow, extraordinarily dark room was a window, a great shaded window that looked out on a room full of men, all dressed for evening, clustered in a horseshoe of a crowd, at once not moving and in constant motion, shouting and laughing and enjoying themselves, vibrating with energy like leaves on a thriving oak in the heat of summer. The throngs of men surrounded a great, empty space, blocked by rope and covered in sawdust, of which the women were afforded a perfect, unobstructed view. The ring. Mara moved closer to the glass, unable to stop herself from reaching out to touch it, amazed by the way the room glowed. Thankfully, it occurred to her just in time that the men would see her if she came too close to the window. She stopped, pulling her hand back, even as she could not understand why not one of the men beyond seemed at all interested in the window, or the ladies inside the small, dark room. Were they so used to women watching the fights that they weren't scandalized by the women's presence, that they didn't yearn to control them, to keep them at bay? What kind of place was this? What kind of perfect, wondrous place? They won't see you, said a lady nearby, drawing Mara's attention to her serious blue gaze, large and unsettling behind thick spectacles. It's not a window, it's a mirror. A mirror? There was nothing mirror-like about this window. Mara's confusion must have shown, as the woman continued, We can see them, but they only see themselves. As if on cue, a gentleman crossed in front of the ring, 
close enough to the window to touch, before pausing for a moment and turning to face Mara. She leaned forward, as he did the same on the other side, lifting his chin to fluff his cravat. She waved a hand in front of his long, pale face. He bared his teeth. She dropped her hand. He lifted one gloved finger, scrubbing it back and forth over the crooked, tea and tobacco-stained grimace, before turning and walking away. A collection of women nearby laughed uproariously. Well, no doubt Lord Hanswell would be terribly embarrassed to know we have all witnessed the remains of his dinner. The woman smiled at Mara. Do you believe it now? Mara grinned. This must